Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture here at midweek, mid-month. Glad you have joined us. Let us be part of your day. A lot going on with dairy, including USDA buying some milk. We're going to talk with Chris Galen with the uh, National Milk Producers Federation about that and some other dairy issues. Speaking of dairy, uh, we also have the new dairy revenue insurance plan out now. John Newton, chief economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation, will join us to tell us more about that. We'll talk markets with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone as well. But right now, talk about a lot of different things we welcome john jenkinson from rfd tv john how are you i am great mike good to talk to you well always good to talk with you you are from kansas and i've heard reports there has been sightings of rain in kansas is that true (laughs) you'd be right mike and in some places a little too much too quick uh there are parts of uh, central kansas and south central southeast kansas that uh, are a little bit flooded uh, here this morning with a lot of rain. But uh, nonetheless, parts of those areas really uh, a welcome rain. Some areas it's a little bit too late for the corn crop. Other areas it's just in time to finish filling out soybeans, particularly in the southeast part of the state. But the showers that have fallen over the western part of the state, basically from Highway 283, which, which is the highway that runs through Dodge City, and on up north into Nebraska. From there east, that sorghum crop, or milo, was really needing another drink to finish it out, and it certainly got it. Rain, especially in western Kansas, almost always welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We uh, we always hate to complain about rain, even if it's not timely. There are some areas also that are going to be drilling uh, the winter wheat crop here in about another four to five weeks. And so some of those areas got a little bit of moisture, too. Now, you go further west uh, from a a line from maybe Liberal all the way up through Colby and uh, parts west from there, Uh, particularly in that area. It's still a little bit dry. Uh, The the, uh, areas around Scott City along that same highway were needing some moisture. They got a little bit of moisture over this last uh, spell also. But there are still some very far western tier of counties that are still needing some moisture here before we drill any wheat. But uh, it looks like there could be some chances off and on throughout the next two or three days. Talking with John Jenkinson with RFD-TV. John, what are you hearing from farmers? What are their biggest concerns right now? Uh, I think the just biggest concerns is to see what could happen with prices. And the producers that I've talked to, Mike, they're not really upset with the president. Uh, they just want some kind of resolve here pretty soon so that they – uh, can go in and, and talk to their bankers for next year or, or at least plan for next year. Many of the producers took advantage of some opportunities, some marketing opportunities, uh, you know, back a month, month and a half, two months ago. And uh, so so as far as anger, because I know that in, in some areas there are some producers that are, are frustrated. They say they're frustrated with uh, some of the president's tactics on trade. But uh, so far, many of the producers I've talked to in our area still say we believe in what the president is trying to accomplish. Uh, we also believe that uh, China needs us more than, uh, th- than uh, what they are admitting, and maybe that this will at some point have a resolve, and everybody seems to be moving forward. 
I've been hearing that as well, although I must say I think patience is getting strained a little bit. I think they're getting anxious to see some uh, some action, uh, you know, positive action on this. And I kind of think around harvest time, we get to that, you know, this fall, and that, well, it's not very far away now at all, but uh, then you get moving towards the elections. It seems like that's the time when uh, I think uh, something will need to be done, or it'll be interesting to see if those moods and attitudes change. Oh, I completely agree with you, Mike. This is a very busy time. We're getting ready to ramp up for harvest. In fact, harvest has already started in some areas of the south, Texas and Louisiana, and uh, starting to move north. And a lot of producers, either they're, uh, they'll be planting winter wheat or they'll be harvesting a lot of this year's fall crop. And uh, so it won't be on the front burner uh, until after that. But you're right, around November, around election time and after harvest, everything is in the bin. That's when things could change rapidly. What have you heard from farmers about the aid package, the assistance that was uh, announced by the administration? We're still kind of waiting for details on that, but uh, uh, how was that received? You know, Mike, that's kind of an interesting uh, animal in itself. There, when it was first announced, uh, I heard from some producers that said, well, you know, it's, uh, it shows that they haven't forgotten us. But that died off pretty quick, and it's back to business as usual. Um, so many of the producers I've talked to uh, in, uh, that have all said, you know, we'd rather have trade than aid. Um, but, yeah, uh, the, the, um, the aid was appreciated, but a lot of producers in our area uh, just put their nose to the grindstone and just continue to run the business uh, the best way they can, as lean as possible. Now, I will back that up by saying some of these producers have cut back on some of their inputs and they're not spending some of the money uh, on new machinery or updating machinery that they normally would. Uh, you know, they're just buckled down trying to weather the storm, so to speak. But there really hasn't been too much talk about uh, the mechanics of it or if anybody, uh, you know, I'm going to run right to my FSA office and see what I'm getting. Hmm. Uh you got a few political stories that you're watching there in Kansas as well. So it's been kind of an interesting <laughs> few days there. Oh, oh, boy. And you have to remember, my wife is a, a government official who counts those ballots. So uh, it was a pretty interesting few days. Uh, we understand, though, that uh, the current sitting governor, Collier, uh, will uh, go ahead and um, uh, offer his uh, congratulations to Chris Kobach, uh, who has been in the national spotlight. Um, both of those gentlemen have been pretty agriculture-friendly. They come from an agriculture state. They both understand uh, the, the plight of agriculture. And uh, now it will come down to the race in November, which could be interesting also. It certainly will. Um, are you hearing much talk about Farm Bill? Are farmers talking about Farm Bill? You know, they were in the very early outset, Mike. Uh, there was there was quite a bit of discussion oh, back in late spring, maybe early summer, about you know the farm bill, uh, what was in it, what could be in it, how it was going to be uh, uh, fashioned. Uh, that's that's kind of died down as well. Many of the producers really starting to get focused on other chores, and so that's been relatively quiet, particularly after we saw some pretty big moves in Washington. That has, uh, that's all kind of subsided right now. Uh, there was some talk about uh, how the food stamp program was going to fit into all of this. And uh, when there was discussion, again, uh, surfacing that, you know, maybe they would eliminate food stamps from the, the farm bill. 
Uh, I did hear from some, some producers that said, oh, no, please don't do that. We'll never stand a chance again at getting anything passed. But uh, that has subsided and has been pretty quiet. I, that may change once we uh, hear what comes out of conference committee. Yeah, when we get into September, we may hear more about it. But it's been kind of quiet, uh, really. I mean, it's, I guess that's just because there are so many other big issues out there that have kind of pushed the, the Farm Bill down the, the list of uh, issues and priorities, uh, for at least for the time being. Well, John, always good to talk to you. This this Suderman guy is coming up next. You've heard of him, right? <laughs> I, I have. I, uh, I I think I have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I told him he'd come on and clean up everything you messed up, okay? And he's been good at that for, uh, what is this, uh, going on 10 or 11 years that we've known each other. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of practice. That's right. Take care, John. Take care. Thanks a lot, Mike. John Jenkinson with RFD TV. Arlen Suderman will talk markets from INTL FC Stone next on AOA. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of a trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. 
Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And joining us now is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, we just had John Jenkinson on. He said he's had, you've had lots of practice over the years uh, cleaning up after him and fixing what he's messed up. Well, it does give give me that opportunity (laughs) to work on it, and uh, we do what we can do. (laughs) That's all we can do, right? Hey, what are the markets most focused on right now? Uh, the two things that uh, Wall Street, and I say Wall Street because that's what the money flow, which so dominates today's markets, is is focused on, is number one today is the, the China trade war and number two, Turkey. Those two things are both negative. There's not a lot of news in the China trade war today uh, other than it continues to persist. Uh, there is news on the Turkey front. Uh, but those, both of those two things are getting the most talk, and as a result, we're seeing a general risk-off type of environment which is really unfortunate because we saw some positive chart action in soy meal and corn yesterday. We needed to see some follow-through to confirm it today, and unfortunately so far we're not seeing it. Yeah, the news on Turkey, here we are, tariffs and retaliation with another country. Now, you hear Turkey, you don't think of it as the same as a trade war, say, with China, but how significant is it to a country like Turkey when we get into a trade dispute with them? Well, obviously, it's a much smaller economy. Uh, its its ties, though, are mostly with the financial sector and the banking sector. It has some significant debt issues, and when we put sanctions on them, their their currency, the lira, really plummeted, and that's a problem because they have debt payments they need to make in dollars. And with their lira worth so little, they can't buy the dollars they need in order to make their debt payments. That leaves banks outside of Turkey at risk and in uh, other parts of uh, Europe. Uh, And it also presents some challenge for NATO itself, but that's outside the economic uh, discussion. Uh, As a result, we're seeing the euro under pressure. It's trading at 13-month lows to the dollar. That makes uh, crops in Europe more competitive with U.S. crops, Um, but it starts to undermine Europe's ability to import Chinese commodities. Europe's the number one buyer of imports from China, and as Europe goes, then China follows. So it's all tied together. If China's not doing well, we're not doing well, and of course we're in a dispute with China. So it's one big circle. What are we seeing from China as far as where they're going to source primarily soy? I mean, are they striking up stronger relationships with South America, or or what are they doing? They're doing everything they can to avoid the United States. Uh, Their buyers there have been told, even if you want to pay the tariff, don't buy from the United States. Now, some have been anyway, and we've been seeing some cargoes go out of the PNW toward China, but very few of them to this point. Um, we did see them lift the tariff on crude oil because it was hurting them internally, domestically so much. But buyers of crude oil are still afraid of doing business with the United States, afraid the government will retaliate on them. They are reaching out and trying to strengthen their ties with Brazil and Argentina, even looking to buy more soy meal from them to avoid having to buy soybeans from us. In other words, throwing their crush industry under the bus in order to avoid doing business with the United States. 
but obviously there's limited supplies down there, so if they buy more soy meal from South America, South America has to import more soybeans from the United States. So ultimately the Chinese consumer pays the price, and of course the U.S. farmer's been paying the price because of the market's fear of that lost demand. We keep hearing we're getting close to a deal with Mexico. How would the markets react to that? I think very positive, particularly the pork market really needs that deal with Mexico right now. It doesn't have much impact on corn other than psychological at this point. Uh, I do think psychologically it would have a big impact. It would be something positive on the trade front. It would show that perhaps uh, President Trump's tactics are working and the markets be willing to give him a little bit more of a break on his work with China. And so I think it would be positive. So much of the market influence goes beyond supply and demand fundamentals to just the psychology of the markets. For example, soybeans, uh, we really haven't seen the hurt on demand at all yet because of the tariff war. In fact, we've set records for soybean demand, both crush and exports this summer, for this summer period. But it's that fear that we're going to see lost demand that's really pressured prices so much. So market psychology makes a big difference, and a deal with on NAFTA would certainly help. Arlen, I keep thinking we're headed towards a critical period here. I mean, we've talked about, we've talked with farmers, and they seem to be willing to be patient uh, to a point with the administration. Uh, they're still supporting the president, although they have concerns about these trade issues. Uh, we're headed, you know, getting ready to really head into the busy harvest season. It seems to me if some if some things aren't settled the time harvest is over and we get to those midterm elections, all that happening right in that, uh, you know, relatively short time period, seems like that's when things really uh, uh, come to a head. What do you think? Well, that's exactly what China is counting on they really don't have much weapons against us economically right now that's being effective. Uh, we had a trifecta of economic data come out this morning showing a, a strong U.S. economy, much better than what the, even the optimistic analysts had been expecting. Our economy is doing well. Meanwhile, there's data coming out of China showing that its economy is continuing to show the pressures of the trade war. So their biggest weapon they have is political if they can erode away the political support that President Trump has and see him lose the Congress or see the Republicans lose the Congress, that's the only way that China can win this war, in my opinion. So I think they'll do everything they can to try to hold on through the midterm elections and uh, try to uh, see the pendulum swing the other way more in their favor in the midterms. But I do not think that they can stand to see this go much beyond the midterms. So once the midterms are over, I think that we will see China come to the table rather quickly. The kind of deal we get, though, I think will weigh heavily on what the results of that midterm election is. We're talking with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. Arlen, how much old crop do you think is still out there? Uh, on the corn, uh, there's a, there's probably a good, and varies a lot from one region to the other, uh, probably a good 15, maybe 20 percent in some cases, but more, more like 15 percent still in the hands of the farmer. On the soybeans, it's it's down to what we call play bushels, probably less than 5 percent in the hands of the farmer. Most of it's in the hands of the commercial. Uh, new crop is where the farmer is most vulnerable on corn. He did a really good job of selling on the spring rally on soybeans. 
into somewhere in the 40 to 50% sold on new crop soybeans. I was just wondering, going into this harvest, and in some places it looks like a big harvest, uh, what do you think as far as what's going into storage and maybe what's already been sold? Yeah, that's that's where we stand on the new crop. And, and corn, obviously, if it's not sold, they don't like the prices. I think a lot of the farmers have been reading some of some of the analysts, like myself, but there are others as well, that see a more bright, longer-term picture with corn, and they like to store corn and sell soybeans. They certainly don't like to store sell soybeans, though, at this price, as we're seeing prices now get back down closer to the decade lows that we hit um, back in July on a cash basis. So I, this is, in, with big crops, storage is going to be at a premium once again. So they're really going to be pressed. I think we'll see deferred pricing contracts be very popular. I don't like them personally because they uh, allow the basis to be weak. They, they do little to make the basis market work to get those bushels. But I think they're going to be very popular farmers letting go of grain under DP contracts. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting fall, that's that's for sure. Um, is there much more downside to this market, or is it, I keep asking this, is all this figured in? Or are we about? I thought we were going to bounce. A lot of people thought yesterday was a bounce-back day, but it doesn't seem to be following through. What do you see? Well, the, uh, here again, I'm going to lay some blame at the feet of the algo traders and, and the money flow that's out there. We're not going to change it. It's a reality, so we have to make it work for us. Um, but they trade momentum, and momentum is to the downside, for, not only for the grains, but the feeling the effects of the entire commodity complex. Whenever trade war is in the headlines, uh, the funds, oh, it's time to sell the commodities and specifically the ags, and uh, that's the pain we're feeling. Corn is, from a historical analysis standpoint, corn is well underpriced relative to the fundamentals. Soybeans obviously have some bearish fundamentals. Uh, USDA is, is given a worst-case scenario, although we may see yields come up a little bit more and make it a little bit worse. But basically, they're assuming that the trade war we have now will go for the next 13 months. And I can't fault them for having to work under that assumption. If they say, oh, it's going to end on December 1st, everyone's going to say, okay, how do you know that? Why do you? So they've got to assume that. But that makes it a worst-case type of scenario. And so that allows the bears, the funds that continue to trade that momentum, and uh, that can continue to pressure prices far below what may be fundamentally justified. The psychology of the markets, yeah. Arlen, always good to talk with you. You did a good job uh, finishing up for John. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. Lots of dairy news want to get to, including USDA buying a lot of milk. We'll talk about it with Chris Galen with National Milk Producers next. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the soybean complex, we are seeing a Wednesday pullback after a rally yesterday. December soybean meal blasted higher for a second session in a row on Tuesday with new crop November soybeans following suit. New support said to be forming at 851 and a quarter. That'd be Monday's low. Could act as a swing low for the beans, according to the wire talk. If the bean bulls conquer the short-term moving averages, they could begin to attack major resistance at 920 and a half. 20-day moving average seen at 884 and three quarters. 40-day moving average at 880 and three quarters. And so far on this November contract, we are trending below those levels. In corn, we've got fractional changes. A recent drop on new crop December to 366 now stands as strong support, a potential swing low. We see resistance around the 20-day moving average at 376, hovering around that level an hour into the trading day on this Wednesday. In the wheats, Minneapolis September down seven and three quarters at five eighty-eight and a half, trending nine to ten and a half lower Chicago wheat, September five thirty-one and a quarter, down ten and a fraction. Kansas City, September down seven and a half, five thirty-eight and a quarter, an hour into the trading day. For livestock at the Merck, we're up near the best levels of the day in live cattle and in feeder cattle. The feeders a dollar to a dollar forty-two higher. Live cattle seventy-five to a dollar five higher. Cash cattle asking prices thought to be around one thirteen to one fourteen on a live basis in the South. Lean hog futures trending forty-five to seventy-two cents higher. The Dow is down two hundred sixty-nine points. Crude down a dollar twenty. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. USDA yesterday said it will authorize the expenditure of $50 million in Section 32 funds to purchase a number of uh, milk varieties, including whole, 2%, 1%, and skim. And they will purchase the milk from approved vendors and distribute the product to uh, it's uh, to assistance organizations such as Feeding America. 
Uh, let's talk about that with Chris Galen, Senior Vice President Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're used to, you know, over the years, USDA has purchased uh, commodities like cheese, but uh, this is different, isn't it? When actually buying uh, milk, fluid milk. Yes, this is the first time that they have gone out on a scale like this, Mike, and actually said they'll be procuring fluid milk or bottled milk. As you correctly pointed out, they've bought other dairy products like cheese or milk powder in the past. And also, we should point out that the announcement that they made on Tuesday, uh, they also announced purchases of beef and chicken as well. So it's not just about dairy, but this one got perhaps a bit more attention because it was the first time that fluid milk is being purchased as part of their commodity purchase program. Well, what is the significance from a dairy industry standpoint to have what do, what uh, impact does this have well i think in terms of the economic impact for farmers it's not going to be particularly significant uh, 50 million dollars will buy an estimated 12 million gallons maybe a little more than that uh, and that's just a fraction of one percent of the overall milk sales in the country so it's not like it's going to be a market mover or represent any change in supply and demand so the big beneficiaries here are going to be the needy americans who will get this product now at charitable feeding organizations including those overseen by feeding america it's a way for them to meet their nutritional requirements in a way that perhaps they haven't been able to get by getting other things there at these uh, food donation programs. And unfortunately, there's a tremendous demand for a need for food across the country, and these organizations do a a great job of reaching out to those people in need. Uh, But we know that oftentimes milk is not something they're able to provide, so this will help in those cases. Exactly. It's one of those things where one of the the most, if not the most, in our humble opinion, nutritious foods that you can offer people has not been offered and a lot of it is frankly because milk requires refrigeration and it's heavy and bulky if it's distributed in gallons and a lot of the uh, local food banks particularly in smaller areas perhaps not bigger cities but in uh, suburbs and the rural uh, countryside they didn't have the refrigeration and the uh, equipment to handle multiple gallons of milk and keep them around and so i think that's changing and feeding america has been working to improve the range of offerings of food products, including bottled milk. And so this announcement today is a reflection of how they're doing a better job now of aligning what's best for people in terms of their diets and the products that are being distributed. Now, we should point out this is not part of the $12 billion aid package announced earlier by the administration, right? This is separate. Exactly, Mike. And so that's something that we had counseled USDA to clarify, that the timing of this is really coincidental. It's not part of the tariff mitigation package, the outlines of which were announced last month, $12 billion or up to $12 billion. We are still talking with USDA about the best way to value the dairy portion of that, the dairy piece of the pie of that $12 billion. Our primary target is direct payments to farmers. We think that that will have the best bang for the buck from an economic standpoint. Now, there may be some uh, product purchases as part of that as well, but that, that, again, is a separate budget authority for the trade mitigation program that's separate from what USDA announced on Tuesday. We're talking with Chris Galen, Senior Vice President, Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. Chris, recently we've uh, had the long-awaited new 
dairy revenue insurance plan announced. Uh, what's uh, the response of National Milk to this plan? Well, we're encouraged that there's a new tool in the toolbox in terms of risk management tools, Mike. Uh, the program will be available, I believe, at some point in October. It was primarily developed by the American Farm Bureau Federation, and it was reviewed quite a bit by their economists and others in academia. And it, Quite frankly, dairy has lagged behind some of the other larger farm commodities in terms of the risk management tools uh, that are available to farmers, and that's been a, a slow train of coming over the last 20 years. And so this is an important change. Also important is that it is complementary to the margin protection program. So if you enroll a portion of your milk production in the MPP going forward next year in the future, uh, the, the Dairy Revenue Protection Program that you're talking about will allow you to insure a different portion of your production. You can't insure the, the same 100 weights uh, that you would with MPP, but you can insure what you don't cover through MPP. So that way, again, you're, you're providing better, more, uh, more robust coverage in all of your milk production if you look at how this fits into using the MPP as well as DRP. And we're going to have more on this new plan from John Newton with the American Farm Bureau Federation later in the program. Uh, Chris, uh, National Milk also weighed in on the waters of the U.S. Uh, issue and uh, calling for the uh, the old rule to be repealed and rewritten. Yeah, th this has been a, a real pain in the uh, rear ends of a lot of people in agriculture. And three years ago, when the Obama administration undertook a serious revision, they made some very serious mistakes. And so our organization has been repeatedly telling the EPA to go back to the drawing board, get it right this time. That's been a message they have heard from others in agriculture as well. So we filed some comments on Monday, Mike, to that effect. Uh, it's gratifying that one of the first things that the Trump administration, EPA, did was recognize the problems caused uh, three years ago with the the WOTUS rule, and they're going to go back to the drawing board. Now, this has to be done in, in accordance with what the courts will allow, uh, but we're hopeful that when they go back to the drawing board and, and rewrite WOTUS, WOTUS uh, they will end up at a much better place than where we were three years ago. It's a slow process, but at least the process is continuing to uh, change uh, the waters of the U.S. rule. Um, it sounds like we're getting close to a deal with Mexico. Mexico, a huge market for U.S. dairy. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you, uh, the best-case scenario would have been we're, we're getting things resolved with Canada, but that doesn't seem to be happening. But do you see this as a good step towards that, perhaps? Well, it's a three-way dance, right, Mike? And so you've got to get something with Mexico and with Canada. A lot of the biggest sticking points, the automotive uh, rules of origin and, and just the, the, the value of the manufacturing products coming from Mexico into the, into the U.S., those have been the big sticking points for our uh, negotiations with NAFTA. And hopefully they're coming to terms on that, and that will then allow us to focus and, and continue to bring pressure to bear on Canada and in particular, of course, the anti-competitive Canadian dairy policy that we need to see rolled back. So, but Mexico, as we've said before, huge market for U.S. dairy, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a big target for us. It's our number one export market, Mike. And one of the things we have told the Trump administration is, can you at least suspend 
the tariffs on steel and aluminum that you imposed on, on Mexico, and then that would hopefully prompt Mexico to lift the tariffs they imposed on cheese. Because the whole idea with this tariff mitigation is uh, it, it's an important point of, of leverage for negotiating NAFTA and trade deals with other countries. But while we're in the middle of the NAFTA negotiations, we would certainly like to see uh, a resumption of trade, dairy trade with Mexico, and, and that would be uh, just as helpful as any sort of tariff mitigation um, that will come here from USDA. Chris, on the on the issue of immigration, which I know is a big issue for dairy, I mean, we've recently had in the news some more raids and, uh, you know, going into some agribusinesses, and, and mm-hmm. um, I know this is an issue that the dairy industry uh, once resolved, needs resolved uh, because it's such a big part of the workforce for the dairy industry. Absolutely, and we are hoping that there will be a vote, Mike, on what's called the, the Goodlatte Bill, the Ag Guest Worker Act, when Congress comes to town next month. Uh, it's been sort of a tortured process so far, so we are not holding our breath. There was actually supposed to be a vote in July, and that got postponed. So we will see what happens here. But as you say, there were some raids of um, meat packing plants, I believe, in the upper Midwest here over the last couple of weeks. We've seen uh, stepped-up enforcement at dairy operations and other places. And the challenge for us in dairy is that, unlike the fruit and vegetable industry that at least has the H-2A seasonal visa program, we don't have access to that in dairy because our workers are needed year-round, not just to harvest in the fall or at some point that that is temporary or seasonal. Uh, So that's been the real headache for a lot of dairy producers, and we really need to see it resolved by Congress. And what's the latest, Chris, on the uh, FDA labeling uh, issue with imitation dairy products? Right. So if you'll recall, there was a hearing... I want to say it was the 24th or the 27th of July, so late late in July, where they took comments on a variety of nutritional issues, but a lot of the focus of the hearing, Mike, the public hearing at which we uh, testified, was on labeling, and our point being that uh, labeling and food terms need to be part of their overall nutritional strategy. It was at that time that FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb also announced they're going to be opening up a different comment period probably next year specific to the dairy labeling issue. So certainly more to come on that, but we are more encouraged than we've been at any point here in the last decade that FDA feels compelled to take action on this and that uh, we have some good arguments to to make as to why all they need to do is simply enforce the law that they have not been enforcing so far. Lots of issues. Chris, thanks for the update. You're welcome, Mike. Take care. Chris Galen, Senior Vice President, Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. Well, we talked about the uh, new Dairy Revenue Protection Program. John Newton, Chief Economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation, has been very involved in the creation of that new program. He'll join us next to uh, give us some details on how it will work. That's coming up. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic Adjustable Beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic Adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now all right crew let's get her dug Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit. 
low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we're joined by John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, thanks for being with us. I was trying to think how long it's been that I've been asking you, when can we talk about the new Dairy Revenue Protection Program that you've been very much involved in? And it's finally here. You can talk about it. (laughs) The curtain has finally been pulled back. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, tell us about the program, and, and well, you've worked on this for a long time, you and a lot of others. Uh, what have you come up with? So American Farm Bureau and American Farm Bureau Insurance Services, along with other collaborators, uh, developed dairy revenue protection through the 508 Federal Crop Insurance Corporation approval process. Uh, it will be available for sale to dairy farmers from uh, crop insurance providers uh, on October 9th of 2018, and it will be sold every single day. Uh, based on uh, futures prices of milk and and dairy commodities. Uh, We're real excited about this because it offers the ability for a dairy farmer uh, to choose how they're going to value the milk in the policy. So they can value the milk one of two ways. Uh, The first way way would be a mix of Class 3 and Class 4 futures. Uh, And again, that's averaged over a quarterly insurance period. Uh, The second method, which we're really, really excited about, is the ability Uh, to pick component levels. Uh, Dairy farmers, a lot of dairy farmers in the U.S. are are paid for what's in the milk, meaning if they have higher fat content or higher protein content, they're going to get a higher milk check. And dairy revenue protection allows them to lock in a higher value of that component milk uh, using the futures market prices of cheese, butter, and dry whey. Now, how does this work? We were just talking with uh, Chris Galen with National Milk Producers Federation. It says it will work uh, in conjunction with the Dairy Margin Protection Program. Explain how that works. Uh, well, there's there's no restriction on on the use of MPP or, or whatever MPP is going to come out of the Farm Bill uh, and dairy revenue protection. Uh, I think there, it's two different types of risks that are being protected. With the MPP FSA program, uh, it's a margin-based tool, which means it provides against the, the difference between um, national average milk and feed costs, uh, whereas this is really tailored to be uh, more at the farm level value of milk. We're trying to match that as close as we can with Dairy RP, uh, and it, it makes indemnities to, to farmers whenever the, the revenue falls below the guarantee. So one's a revenue program, and, and the other is a margin program. So there's no restriction on use for MPP in this in our new dairy revenue protection. Uh, there is, however, a restriction on use with with LGM Dairy, 
uh, given that they're both federal crop insurance uh, programs, you can't use both in the same month. So this is another tool in the dairy producer's toolbox and a needed tool because of the uh, the economic uh, challenges that the dairy industry is facing. That's exactly right. I mean, when you go back and look at what we've experienced really over the last uh, four years now, uh, what's, what's really driven the decline in dairy farm profitability has been the decline in milk prices. Milk prices have fallen uh, by, by nearly 50% from where they were in 2014. And had we had some revenue-style program available to dairy farmers, it would have put uh, a floor on that and helped protect against the, the decline in milk prices that we've seen. You think about if we had this policy available even today, uh, going back into the, the second quarter of, of 2018, going into the third quarter of 2018 when we had all these tariff-related price declines uh, in the dairy complex. Dairy revenue protection uh, could have potentially helped uh, in that scenario as well. So it's really designed to look at the revenue from milk sales and not a margin-based tool. Uh, There's certainly risk on the feed cost. Uh, You know, in the event of a crop loss and you see higher feed prices, uh, margin-based tools are going to be uh, useful, and that's why it's, it's great that Farmers can use both MPP and dairy revenue protection simultaneously. And again, sign up starts October? October 9th. And so they can go to www.dairyrp.com to get more information and and contact uh, an American Farm Bureau Insurance Services agent. Uh, But any crop insurance agent around the country, if they decide to sell Dairy RP, uh, we'll be able to service the product, and you can get a list of crop insurance providers uh, from the RMA website. Uh, but our website is www.dairyrp.com. Very good. Hey, John, while I have you, before I let you go, um, yes, we're sir. still waiting for, deta- waiting for details on USDA uh, from USDA on the administration's aid package, the $12 billion, and we've heard bits and pieces of how this may work. I was in Missouri this week. They're very concerned that any aid or assistance is going to be based on production this year, in which many in Missouri will have little or none because of the drought, and they're concerned they're really going to be get a kind of a double whammy, no production and maybe very little, if any, assistance. Uh, uh, what are you hearing on how this may work and how the formula that could be used? Well, I'll tell you, you're exactly right, and it's not just Missouri, it's Kansas. Uh, when you look at just corn and soybean, uh, you got millions of acres in, in Kansas and Missouri that are in poor to very poor condition on corn and soybeans. So uh, we have had some concerns raised from our members in Missouri as well as Kansas that that any, any aid package distribution, uh, the concern of it being distributed on production and not area, uh, would be detrimental to any growers that have suffered a crop loss this year. Do you know if final decisions have been made on that, or are they still open to looking at that, or what are you hearing? I, I don't have any uh, new information on, on where the administration is on, on that decision. I know that, that it's been raised to us from, from some of our members, and, and we continue to be engaged uh, with the administration on this and, and uh, look forward to working with this and trying to find an equitable way. Uh, it's going to be really difficult with all the different crops and, and livestock products that are impacted under these different tariffs. Uh, it's it's going to be difficult to find a fair balance for everybody. $12 billion uh, is a lot of money, but when you spread it that thin, it'll go quickly. And from the outset, we kind of knew that was going to be the issue. Who gets what, how much, how they decide, those are tough decisions. That's exactly right. $12 billion, uh, you know, when you spread it across, you know, 100 million, 180 million acres of corn and soybeans, 
uh, 200 billion pounds of milk, it, it doesn't amount to a whole lot uh, per farm. All right, John, we'll let you go. Thanks for being with us. Glad we can talk about the Dairy Revenue Protection Program. We get closer to October. We'll have you back on again and kind of remind folks about it and how it works. Thanks a lot. Good to talk to you. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, that wraps it up for today. Lots of issues, and we'll get into more of those uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, we'll also be looking ahead to the Farm Progress Show and, uh, and much, much more. So, as always, hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Remember, you can email me, Mike Adams at AmericanAgNetwork.com or on Twitter at Mike Adams Ag. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture. <music> 